Hello, everybody, and welcome to the My BFF Business Leaders Podcast. This podcast is designed to focus the spotlight on leading voices throughout the world of business. From marketing and technology to energy and finance, this podcast will feature brilliant minds that are shaping the future of every industry. There has never been a better time to make more business friends forever, so let's get started. Heavy industry is still rolling, as it would be, but maybe not to the to the likes of uh, what it was, but we're expecting to see that rebound. It's always tough to talk energy without somebody asking, well, why am I paying so much? And uh, that's where we come in and we try to help people find a solution to their issues and find out what their risk tolerances are and how best to serve them. On this episode of the My BFF Business Leaders Podcast, we are joined by an experienced leader in the energy industry, the senior manager of third-party channel development for World Connect Energy Services, Philip Warren. Phil's daily efforts focus on maintaining and enhancing the relationships between his company and chambers, associations, and other various organizations across the country. World Connect Energy Services' parent company, World Fuel Services, is a Fortune 100 business. So Phil has had firsthand experience expanding business relationships while working with a wide range of companies, from startups to publicly traded entities. Phil's a straight shooter, as you'll find if you tune into his own show, The Energy Connection Podcast. So today, let's dive right into the action. Good morning, Phil. How are you today? I'm well, Colton. Thanks for having me on this week. Absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us and, and really excited to have you on the show. Um, at this point, we've already kind of done an introduction and our listeners have learned a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. But to start the interview officially, can you tell our audience a bit more about who you are outside of your work at World Connect Energy Services? Sure, Colton. I can uh, let the audience know that uh, the things I enjoy in life are uh, live music, cigars, and uh hanging out with my friends, pretty typical, maybe not so much for a 63-year-old, but uh, I'm still young at heart. What's your favorite music genre that you've been listening to during the, these quarantine days? Well, I, I, a blues probably. I'm a B.B. King fan, still like Bob Dylan. One of my favorite artists is uh, Tom Waits and John Prine, singer-songwriters. Awesome. But uh, the roots go back to the blues. Mm-hmm. Do you have any kind of local places around the greater Pittsburgh area that you like to kind of attend the live events and, and really tune into the music? Um, when music plays, I, I try to show up. I mean, there's many places from the R bar for some great music on Sunday nights and Friday nights when, when you could attend Chapinos for blues and jazz, uh, many venues, Moondogs, mostly for the uh, the blues that they bring through, national acts, locally. It's always great to uh, to go there in Blahnox. Sweet, sweet. And how long have you been around kind of the greater Pittsburgh area? Uh, well, it's my 63rd trip around the sun. So I've, <laughs> I was born uh, in Swickley and I've lived in Beaver County outside of the college years and, you know, local, you know, growing up places here and there. But I reside in uh, Hopewell now, and I have for the last uh, 30 years. Cool. And how how long have you actually been working in the energy energy industry? I've been working in direct energies 
space. Let me go back. I've been working in the energy space since 2009, starting with on-demand energy. A friend, John Zebley, was the owner, a small startup energy procurement, energy services company, and uh, they wanted to grow the business. Prior to that, I was in the, you could say energy business because I dealt a lot with oils and I worked for Allegheny Petroleum and did uh, lubricants, metalworking fluids on a national basis for them. Awesome. And kind of as you were an aspiring professional and, and going through your years at university and um, everything of that nature, did you always envision that this would be your career path or what kind of was your goal there? Now, I'd have to say my career path would have been more in the world of politics. Uh, you wanted to be a, a city planner, you know, have a good vision of the future, what you could do, how it could be done. Uh, I got on a school board at the Hopewell when somebody stepped off. I got appointed and was on that school board for 10 years. And uh, that aspiration of being a, in the politics kind of got smashed, I would say. But uh, the volunteer work, I'm on the board, vice president at uh, the Lincoln Park Performing Arts Charter School in Midland. And I've been there uh, almost since the beginning of the school I'm going on my 10th year there and yeah, it's nice to give back the volunteer, seeing the success, listening to the kids sing and dance. Our science labs are uh, second to none. Great place to uh, be part of. Awesome. And yeah, how, what kind of made you want to pursue that? Was it like your political background and your interest in that uh, kind of community efforts or what caused you to first take that step with Hopewell school board? Well, it was kind of funny I joined the PTA, uh, my wife and I, and just to see what goes on with the first child, you know, you're worried about education. And the folks that were tied into the PTA used to squabble about giving a teacher $5 or $10 they requested for their bulletin board. And again, we're talking 30 years ago. Um, that's why you raised the money was to give it right back to the students. And I said, well, I think I can help if I got it, got involved at a higher level. And that's why I was uh, able to get uh, appointed when uh, somebody stepped down in the district that I live in. And then I ran twice and then it was time to go. You know, you served uh, 10 years. Absolutely. And, and obviously, you've been serving kind of in the ener energy industry from for a, a really long time now. And I'm curious, how has your role changed from kind of when you first got into the field compared to now as the senior manager of third party channel development? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a long story. But uh, in the beginning, it started out as a salesperson. And uh, at that time, deregulation was uh, sweeping across the state. Duquesne Light was the first in the country to deregulate. Uh, I got involved when Penn Power deregulated in PPL. Started working for John Zebley and On Demand Energy, now World Connect Energy Services, which is a Fortune 100 company. Uh, we're part of World Fuels. 
And that's a, an amazing growth that we had when deregulation happened. And we were a good target for somebody to buy because of what we did and how we did it. So I started off in sales, came into the office then after a lifetime in sales to help run our office, manage complaints if there were any, manage the process. And uh, I've done everything within the energy organization except maybe write the checks. I've done Mm -hmm. marketing. I've done uh, business development. But I had a a good group of people to work with and great leadership that supported a lot of the opportunities that we were able to get a hold of and do. That's awesome. And it sounds like um, obviously the growth was exponential with your time at On Demand and your time working with John Zibley um, to kind of where you're at now with World Connect Energy Services. As you guys were progressing as On Demand Energy, was it always a goal to kind of get bought out or did it kind of just naturally transition that way? Or could you uh, expound upon that a little bit? Well, I think at any point in time, um, you can only do so much with the resources you have. And um, we grew like a hockey stick. We were the fastest growing energy company uh, by the Pittsburgh Business Times. Uh, so th- we, we hit a stride and grew like a hockey stick. It was like 212% growth uh, in one year when PPL opened up. We were definitely uh, looking forward to the opening and our relationship with our third-party channel, Chamber Choice, put us in touch with a lot of um, chambers across Pennsylvania, and we were able to grow with um, with the, our chamber partners. That's awesome. And, and is that some is that something specific that you would kind of tie back into the rapid success and that rapid 200 plus uh, percent growth is the chamber efforts or kind of what exactly um, played that major factor that led to you guys growing so exponentially? Well, new markets opened up in Pennsylvania. Um, as I said, Duquesne Light was the first, then Penn Power, PPL, then Penelec, uh, West Penn. So, I mean, it was right place, right time. But the chambers were throughout the state. There was 93 chambers, 40,000 members that we had access to, to help them. Now we say buy better, buy smarter and buy less and be more uh, efficient in how you use your energy. But uh, then it was, you know, the wild, wild west. It was a lot of fun to be part of. Uh, We were one of the first brokers in it, and uh, we definitely had our share of wins. Awesome. And and how has your relationships with the chambers now grown um, or suppressed even to where it stands now with World Connect Energy Services? Are you guys still really heavily tied in with the local roots and, and working with them actively currently? We've made a very uh, concerted effort to re-energize the chamber programs along with our associations. Thus, my, my new title and job is third-party channel development. So I've been working with the chambers for 10 years, understanding what they do and how they do their business. And we run an energy program for them from the smallest meters in residential to the largest industrial steel mills uh, in the state of Pennsylvania for them. 
I, and I, I want to circle back here now to you personally, because I know our, our listeners would love to hear kind of what a day in the life of Phil Oren looks like. Could you dive a bit deeper into what your role entails and, and what your active day to day is? Uh, currently, we're building off of the uh, associations and chambers that we uh, that we manage energy programs for, including the Greater Cleveland Partnership, COSI in, uh, in Northeast Ohio other associations in Pennsylvania, along with the chambers. My, my goal is to help their membership find energy contracts that work for them in natural gas and power or electricity as we all look at our electric bills and go, what are we paying for? So our goal is to help them bring on more members by bringing the best value for our programs to them. So we help them grow and we grow with them. So is your kind of day-to-day role with them uh, constantly communicating and looking of where they can grow their efforts, of where they might need assistance, um, obviously on the energy side of things, and then kind of working with your team collaboratively to fill those gaps and, and accommodate for any needs or goals they might have? Yeah, we, uh, we look at a very holistic approach with different solutions for different types of risk tolerance that the consumer or end user would have. And that allows us to tailor a product uh, specific for them from energy efficiencies to carbon offsets to just supplying the house with electricity and natural gas. Um, We can do every meter for every occasion, let's say. Coming back now to a focus on the company side of things, and you've touched on this a little bit already, but could you shed some more light for our listeners on what exactly World Connect Energy Services does? Sure, Colton. We help our clients consume less and save more on energy, reflecting individual objectives. Uh, We look at their risk tolerances. We look how they want the products delivered. We use a... consultative approach in both supply of electricity and natural gas, renewable energies. Uh, We do carbon management. We do virtual power agreements. We help customers reach their green goals in the way that we help them with renewable energy purchases. And where is uh, World Connect Energy Services kind of physically have a presence or around the country or globally? Uh, could you expound upon that a little? Sure. Um, World Connect Energy Services is a, a global energy service company, part of World Fuels. And we have uh, locations, uh, UK, globally. Let me go back. We have locations around the world. We have offices in the United States, in Minnesota, Louisville, Pittsburgh, and we have some smaller offices dotted throughout the the deregulated states. And how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted your work personally, as well as your work of your companies as a whole? Well, personally, I've been working from home since uh, March and I've been able to get my tan from the refrigerator light. So that has been uh, one of the the different things about working at home. But, um, you know, business has gone on. We continue to service our customers. Uh, new contracts, renewal efforts, 
bring additional value to our associations and membership organizations that we manage programs for. Um, it has taken a, a bite out of what we do with a lot of businesses on a, on a down or a slowdown. Uh, a lot of the chamber business or small businesses and anybody that reads a paper or listens to the news understands the plight that they're on. So um, it's, it's, uh, we made a lot of cost cutting measures and we are on target to be uh, come out of this a little bit stronger than we were. We've restructured a few of the departments and uh, looking forward to the future. It's great to hear yeah, that you guys are adjusting accordingly and, and could end up on this at the flip side even stronger than before. And now I'd ask you, do you foresee the energy industry being altered long term because of the pandemic or what sort of impact on the market do you and your team project? You know, there's so much going on in the uh, industry right now with uh, new technologies, the way people are uh, using power. You know, the the grids are being strained because of all the people working from home. So the power plants are still producing a, a lot of uh, energy and they're consuming the natural gas. Um, heavy industry is still rolling as it would be, but maybe not to the to the likes of uh, what it was. But we're expecting to see that rebound. It's always tough to talk energy without somebody asking, well, why am I paying so much? And uh, that's where we come in and we try to help people find a solution to their issues and find out what their risk tolerances are and how best to serve them. That's great. And I'm switching kind of gears to your local efforts here in the greater Pittsburgh area. I I recall a past discussion um, where you described Western Pennsylvania as kind of the the ground zero of energy in in all of the United States. Could you talk a bit more about um, this idea and and dive into it a little bit more for our listeners? Uh, Certainly. Well, Duquesne Light, the local utility here in Western Pennsylvania, was the first to be deregulated in the entire United States. And so a lot of energy brokers, consultants sprung out of that to help third-party supply, meaning you could actually have choice on who supplies your electricity. The local utility would just manage the transmission or the lines to your home or to your business. And that brought out uh, a lot of different opportunities for people in the business to uh, help people buy through choice a better price. I mean, a kilowatt hour is a kilowatt hour. Uh, A decatherm of gas is still a decatherm of gas. There's no magic to the the chemistry there. Uh, So that's what we got into this business uh, to help those people. Mm Mm-hmm. So off the cuff here, Phil, off my own curiosity, is it safe to say that Western Pennsylvania is still kind of ahead of the game and ahead of the competition as it relates to overall energy levels or as kind of the overall deregulation in other states across the country um, made it for a more kind of middle ground? I'd have to say that Western Pennsylvania is still a leader in the energy industry with all the fracking opportunities going on throughout the region, we still hold a 
a big lead over the rest of the country in uh, some of the production of energy. But we also, on the deregulated side, each state is so different. They all have their own rules and regulations. So it's hard to put one ahead or one better than the other. It would be nice if everybody ran the same way uh, to help the end user, the consumer, not to see such large swings in prices and things like that. But uh, the industry is still in its infant stage. I mean, we've only been doing deregulation since 1985 for electricity. So as promised, Phil, we close off every show the same way with five personal questions so our listeners have a chance to just learn more about you personally. How's that sound? You ready for the lightning round? I, I, th- I think so. <laughs> <All right, that's laughs> well, no. So what was the first car that you ever owned? I was given a 67 Chevelle from a friend of my father's. It was really beat up. But uh, that was the first one that was given to me. My, the first one I owned that I actually paid for was a Ford Pinto. And uh, as, you, as you may or may not know, they were known for um, catching fire. So <laughs> my, my Ford Pinto was a flameabout. Wow. So which one did you like better, the Pinto or the Chevelle? Well, the Chevelle was fun, but it... You know, it just was pretty beat up, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the Pinto was a four-speed, so it was my first endeavor in driving a, a, a stick shift. Nice, nice. So second question, what was your favorite movie of all time? What is your favorite movie of all time? Yeah, I'd have to go back with uh, Paul Newman and uh, Cool Hand Luke. So I know you're a big sports fan, and obviously you you talked about how you're a big fan of uh, attending live events and concerts, but what's one thing you witnessed in person that was your favorite experience of all time? Oh, that's a, you know, I've been fortunate that I've made it to a lot of big, big games, you know, uh, Super Bowls, the uh, divisional playoffs with the Pirates, seeing the pens from the sweep, every cup run, um, but I'd have to say probably the Penn State Nebraska game, uh, where Penn State came back and won, uh, back in the late seventies. Wow! So you're you're a you're a huge Penn State fan, right? Yeah, and you know, um, yeah, I got down on the field afterwards. I, I was on the field for uh, Joe Paterno's 400th win through our corporate sponsorship, and. Uh, was on the sidelines, sat by the big uglies, the guys that you see dress <laughs> up in uh, the football outfit, you know, with the big costume on. And to let you know, two are dentists and one guy is a, a physician. <laughs> it's cool you've been able to yeah, meet them personally, know exactly who they are. I'm sure all Nitley Lion fans out there know exactly who you're referencing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, they do. The big uglies. All right, all right. So the final question here, which Pittsburgh team will be the next one to win a championship in your mind, Steelers, Pirates, or the Pens? Wow, that's a – well, the way COVID has treated everybody, <laughs> it's – I'm going to roll out the Pirates. You're going to rule them out or you're going to roll them out? Roll them out. Oh, yeah. uh, I think they still have a, a, a big uphill to climb. They yeah, need to so invest a little bit more in that team. 
I think the retooling of the uh, Penguins, there's still a lot of life left in them. Uh, it's hard to say the Steelers, but I'm going to have to lean back toward the Pens. I think they they can uh, they can still make it happen with the squad that they have or they will have. As as you know, how many people were hurt earlier in the season, but that early exit really kind of bit my ass. <laughs> so uh, as a fan, yeah. Just a bad taste in your mouth, but you're still going to side with them over the Steelers? I, I, I would have to. I think uh, football, uh, some of these teams, it's amazing what one or two players can do to a team. Look at what Baltimore has done. Look at the excitement that uh, Kansas City brought with uh, a quarterback. I mean, they were always a strong team, but, um, you know, it's, it's uh, I enjoy sports. That's for sure. But um, one thing that COVID has taught us that we can live with or without. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I would be happy to say that you handled that lightning round of questions with ease, Phil. So great job there. Uh, thank you again for joining us today. Are there any kind of closing remarks or shout outs that you'd like to give before we sign off here? No, I appreciate uh, you. It's, it's an honor to uh, be part of your, uh, your folks that you've, that you bring in and uh, your organization. It's uh, a class group of people there. And I appreciate the work that, uh, that you do and uh, good luck collecting those baseball cards. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and thank you all for tuning into this episode. Uh, stay safe out there, continue to work hard and you never know. You might just be the next one on the my BFF business leaders podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Colton Hauer, the host of the My BFF Business Leaders podcast. I just wanted to take some time here to let you know that if you're thinking of starting up your own podcast, there's a way for you to do a show without having to become an audio editing or production wizard. Pretty Easy Podcasts help podcasters get their show recorded and posted with a complete studio at their disposal. You can record from home, your office, at the park, wherever you desire, and the Pretty Easy Podcast team will cater to that schedule and give you a producer for your show at your beck and call. If you have an idea for a show, if you have an idea for some great episodes that you want to string together and just don't want to really get into the weeds of editing and production, contact Pretty Easy Podcast today. Visit them online at prettyeasypodcast.com or visit them on Instagram and Facebook and sign up.